Hello? Yeah, I'm calling about the doll. What? Be very careful with that doll. What are you talking about? Have you checked his batteries? Filmmakers make films, but films make filmmakers. From blockbuster premieres to grindhouse theaters, late night cable to the local video store, there is no greater classroom for aspiring filmmakers than cinema itself. Join your host, Eric Skorzynski, as he dives deep into the minds of legendary directors, producers, actors, and more to discover their biggest influences and to explore the impact their films are leaving behind. This is Film School. Grab your popcorn. Class is about to begin. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Film School podcast. Alex, thanks so much for joining me on today's show. My pleasure. Yeah. Really excited to chat with you a little bit. And typically on the show, I'm going back to pre-career to talk through some of the biggest movie inspirations and things. But your earliest memories pretty much start being in the movies. <laughs> so do you, yeah, do you have any... <laughs> you can't go back much earlier than uh six for me i don't remember much before that right um no i mean my uh i mean i had early influences when i was young I, there were there were people that you know made me want to do you know be an actor and kept me excited about that work and kept me uh interested in a career for a period of time um but yeah, no, I don't have I don't have any memories before before getting that role. Yeah, I mean, you were. Uh, what's interesting to me is like everybody asks you the question, "Were you scared of Chucky?" Which your answer is always no. You were fascinated because you wanted to get into puppeteering and you were interested in all the the mechanical side of everything. Um, did that come just from seeing it and becoming interested in it, or did you have family or you know people you were connected to who were passionate about that kind of thing? No, that was it was just from the experience. It's not yeah, it's not like I went there. I wanted to be an actor. I didn't want to be a puppeteer, but when I I've said that before, when I when I was on set, you know, I was around this million dollar incredible electronic puppet that looked right. amazing. Uh that was made by just such an artist in that field. So, uh yeah, I you know, there were like seven guys that would operate him and I I wanted, you know, I enjoyed getting my hands on the controller and moving his eyebrows and stuff like that. Like the whole process of doing it was interesting to me. And so was, so was a lot of it. I I mean, the writing intrigued me right from the beginning. Um, Mm. I I read that entire script. I basically taught myself how to read with the child's play one script. And I memorized every line, uh, all of my lines, all of everybody else's lines to the point where if someone like ad libbed a little bit, I was the, the precocious six-year-old saying, no, that's not how you say it. Right. Um, so, so yeah. I, I, the, and then just seeing the camera, the cameras and the lights and being on these incredible sets um, and how many people went into it and flying first class to go out to LA. I mean, there was a lot about the whole thing that, that was, uh, that I was enamored by at, at that time. Right. Yeah. And that's, of course, why it wasn't scary. I mean, because I was very much part of the process of making Chucky look real. And I understood that. I was a really bright kid. I was, hmm. I was an exceptionally bright child. Yeah. I, I was I was smarter then than I am now, and that's 
mostly, <laughs> mostly my own doing. Right. Uh, I, I'm curious, like, how that affected, because most people have, like, the moment they watch a first film at, like, six years old, and it changed, they watch Star Wars or something, and it, like, blows their mind, and there's this mo- period of movie magic where, you know, for a while, movies just seem real. It's like you put them on, you're transported. You're seeing how the sausage is made from the very beginning. Did it kind of change how you looked at other films growing up? Like, did you, were you still able to lose yourself in, in other films? I definitely was. And I still can to this day. Um, but yeah, of course, I mean, when you're there, you do think a little bit more about how they pulled certain things off. I, I spent time thinking about how an actor made certain decisions on, on things that they did. Um, choices, things that, you know, not the average viewer doesn't watch and think about the choices an actor has for a delivery of a line. Right. But I do when I watch stuff. And I did when I was a kid because of this experience. But yeah, I mean, I had those films when I was very young. Uh, Back to the Future was yeah. like one of my absolute favorite things that existed. I loved Marty McFly so much. And, you know, so did every kid in, in the 80s. That was my age. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, seeing seeing uh, magic in the in the films is what made what I was doing feel important and mm-hmm. felt like it was worth uh, it was worth sacrificing a lot of my childhood um, to do something because I was I was doing something important. Right. I understood I understood that artistry is important, hmm. um, and yeah, that was you know um, I mean it was a blessing because it led to this incredible opportunity that has led to so many opportunities in my life um, and just you know ways of enjoying my life a little. A little more than than I probably certainly would have otherwise. Um, so yes, yeah, so it opens up the doors to a lot for me uh, just by embracing the uh, quality of the importance of quality artistry. Yeah, um, but that also added a lot of pressure to me and <clears throat> to my life. Um, I did always feel like. After that, you know, when, when you do something that's big and gains attention uh, at a young age, there's a couple things that happen. There's many things that happen. One, but one of them is, uh, you know, you do feel a sense of responsibility to top or equal mm. the importance of something that you did. And for a child, it, it's kind of hard to really grasp that most most actors don't ever do anything better than their one big project right. their whole lives. Uh, so to start at a peak at, like that as a child um, and then just getting just so, you know, so much like attention for it in life, even whether it was, you know, and I, I mean, I was recognized a lot when I was young that luckily that changed, but even just when my dad would tell someone that I was in, the movie or when someone else would bring it up to someone word of mouth. And then, then you have to be that guy for people, you know, you right. kind of have to know that they're looking at you. Uh, you know, they're looking at you differently than they're looking at everybody else, right. whether you want them to or not. Um, I, I'm kind of getting off on a tangent, but well, my, my, my point being that, you know, I, I, I think that the, uh, the parts that are glorified about this business and that are exciting 
as a young actor or as any actor, people who want to get into some, this kind of work. Uh, yeah, it's really impossible for even like a, a 30 year old new actor to know what you're walking into if you get the success that you're looking for. And yeah. as a six year old, you know, my, my thought was that I thought it would be fun to be in a commercial or something on TV. Like I saw a neighbor was on TV. I thought just to see my face on TV was right. the, was the only goal. Well, uh, it's, it's such a crazy thing to have that career defining moment at six, like you said. And what's, what's fascinating to me listening to interviews with you is you are the person saying like, Oh, thank goodness. I went somewhere and nobody recognized me. So you've, you've got this very grounded kind of approach at life. Um, you know, in a lot of, child actors who do hit their height at six or seven or even 11 or 12, you know, it's a famous story that, you know, eventually they're going to keep trying to chase excitement until, you know, the only things left to chase aren't necessarily the most healthy things. Um, You know, do do you feel like you were able to stay grounded because you weren't, you know, you weren't from LA, you're, you know, you're from a New Jersey family, like you're, you're kind of outside of the Hollywood system. Do you think that helped in maintaining real life and and keeping your feet on the ground a little bit it absolutely it did i mean but it all you know it also helped me have to wait tables for 17 years and helped me have to you know bust my ass with little hustles here and there and um i i yes i do think that i'm i stayed grounded i mean i I didn't I didn't make a lot of money. I didn't move out to California. I didn't uh, get a whole bunch of other work after that to where I was, you know, um, expanding my career like that. So, yeah, after like eight years or so, seven, eight years of auditioning, um, it just was exhausting. The, The attention, even when I had it, I didn't really want it, especially at that age. Um, so it just became, it just became not fun for me anymore. So that, so that was why I did it to begin with. I mean, I think, first of all, anyone, and when I was a kid, you know, maybe you have higher, higher expectations and dreams, but the reality at 40 years old, looking into at it now is anyone who gets into being an artist at any level should not expect money. (laughs) Should not expect, (laughs) should not expect fame. Right. Should not expect um, to really be rewarded that you got to live up to the highest of your potential. It's a very, very, very tough in- industry. Um, and so that just made me not uh, not that excited about, you know, ungrounding myself, if you right. will. Like, like I wanted to be a regular person. I didn't want to be... Um, I didn't want to be looked at differently by other people. I didn't want to be, uh, I, I, I don't know, like ha- having, having a lot of materialistic things never really seemed important to me. I want, I, I'd love to have my bills paid and not have the stress of being broke. Um, which is only like in the last couple of years, I can, I'm kind of at that point. Like I you know, where I, I, I'm not, like I know my bills are going to be paid this month. I don't know that they're going to be paid three months from now, but I know that they're going to be paid now. And that is a little bit, uh, it's encouraging to see that, you know, the hard work of being Alex Vincent since I was six years old to Mm -hmm. everyone that I meet, um, 
it pays off enough that enough that I can appreciate that without feeling like I'm not doing enough in my life with what I was given at six years old, which is a whole other side of side of things. You know, when, when you peak young like that, you have to really, uh, you have to really be careful when you chase that. I mean, that's what you're talking about. That's how people get themselves into trouble. Like I wasn't chasing, chasing that, but, I, but I would say that I've always been chasing, uh, doing something profound creatively yeah. and because I peaked so hard in that in artistry at all when I was young I'm so hypercritical of everything that I do that I can't just do things like right. it's hard for me to just put things out that I don't really believe in it's hard for me to uh get through something if I don't feel like it's fantastic and going to mean something and going to be going to affect people like I did when I was six years old yeah, you know what I mean, and I get I get that that's an irrational uh, uh, approach to being a creative person, but um, that's that's a little bit of the limitations in my life that come along with all of the incredible opportunity blessings from an experience like this. Right. Well, I mean, art is largely irrational. You know, like there's a lot of choices that that get made, yeah. and and you know, I'm I'm kind of curious, like with having this this kind of weight of saying like, okay, I don't want to do something unless it's at that, that level, you know, what gave you that trust in a Don Mancini, you know, when he's giving you a call as an adult, you're, you're now, this is in the rear view mirror, you know, like after two, you're pretty much sitting there going like, okay, that was a really cool, amazing peak of my career. That's awesome. You're getting a phone call as an adult now, not a six year old, you know, saying, come back to this. What was it about the franchise and about, I have to imagine it was a lot of it had to do with Don Mancini, you know, specifically that trusted you to say like, okay, this is art I'm willing to get involved in. Well, yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. It, it, it first of all, um, the fact that Don had faith in me that I can do that. Um, you know, I have been removed from it completely. I, um, I don't know. I didn't have faith that I could do much of anything for a while there. Um, but, you know, I, reconnecting with Don, we, he got to know me as a person a little bit and saw something in me and, and, you know, my believed that I could, that I could do it. I think he was intrigued by the idea of doing it. He knew that I wanted to do it. Now why I wanted to do it. I, it wasn't because I thought I'd, Oh, if I, if I, have a cameo in Curse of Chucky. I'll have this big comeback and we'll make another film and then I'll be in a TV series for the That Chucky. wasn't the plan from the beginning. And huh? people will be knocking down my doors and all, and all that. <gasps> Play with this. Andy! And, and I mean, the proof that I didn't feel that way is I didn't get headshots. I didn't get an agent. I didn't put myself on, on anything to... I didn't go on a single audition. I didn't, I, this was 2013. I wasn't trying to get back into the business. I really wasn't. Um, but the reason why I did, Andy is, is with me forever. It will always be with me forever. No matter what I do. If I write a poem, if I write, if I write a song, I mean, I could write a, a big hit. Honestly, I could, I could find a cure for cancer and they'd be like the kid from Chucky cured cancer. <laughs> right. Right. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be me, you know, 
Um, and, and that's okay because I mean, that, that's come with a lot of really great things in my life. So it took me a while for that to be okay, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that it is the fact that Don, first of all, Don, um, was a hero of mine when I, when I was a kid, like, I thought he was the coolest guy in the world. He was a writer. He wrote this incredible story, Chucky, that was shaping my life already at this point. And um, he gave me this incredible opportunity and this chance. And, and he was, I think, equally enamored with me. Um, I, was, I was a bright, funny kid. We got along really great. He took me in his blue Alfa Romeo to see Back to the Future 2 in the theater. Um, like, I just thought he was the most amazing guy. And then to see where his life and career went with Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky, uh, you know, I was I was butt hurt when I wasn't in part three. I yeah. was I, I I was pretty resentful of the whole thing. I felt kind of forgotten about. I I didn't branch off to some other good acting career. I stopped after not really getting anything for years. Um, so I was, and the only reason why. Now, now I was I was upset that it was happening and that I wasn't in it, but the only reason why I supported it and was still excited for it at the time is for Don. I wanted yeah. good things for him. Uh, I liked Jennifer Tilly. I wanted good good things for her. I thought they were doing uh, doing the story very differently than it was, which actually I appreciated because it was like they weren't trying to make Child's Play one and two without me. They were telling a fun Chucky story. So I was able to root for him for that. And then, and then when it came around that they were going to do Curse of Chucky, he and I had already been in communication with each other and talking pretty often and stuff. And he knew that I wanted to do it. And when he asked me, there was no way I was going to be like, no, Don, I'm not doing right. that. It does not sound fun to come back and and give something back to this incredible fan base that has been so incredible to me, which brings me to the the other reason and really the biggest reason why I did this, which is because um, I've, I've heard appreciation from thousands and thousands of fans for my whole life. The last 18 years I've been doing horror conventions, meeting people from all over the world and like small towns in the middle of this country and overseas and, all up and down um, the East coast. And I've been in like seven countries, eight countries meeting fans. Uh, and I know that this thing means something to them. And I know that they would really love to see Andy Barkley come back hmm. and do this. So even though uh, acting makes me rather uncomfortable, I, I, I'm not, I don't have a very expressive voice or face, um, which is kind of good for Andy because he doesn't and shouldn't. Um, you know, he's, he's emotionless and I, and I attack the character from that direction yeah. exclusively. Um, not that I couldn't do a big over the top performance and not be so flat all the time, but that is kind of how I am. So that's how I figured I could do this. Like right. I, I wasn't, you know, I, I, I went into it with a little more confidence because Andy Barkley and Alex, are not that different from each other. We have a lot of parallels. I grew up with all my earliest memories are of Chucky too. Um, (laughs) There were some traumatic parts uh, of being involved in that film. There were some really, you know, upsetting 
downsides to the whole thing. So while, while I wasn't, my life wasn't in danger and my, you know, babysitter wasn't murdered and my mother wasn't institutionalized. Uh, it did send my life off in directions that were uh, a result of, of that work yeah. and the responsibility of an adult at six years old and, and the attention from that film. Not that it was a horror film, um, but, you know, I say it all the time. He told me he'd be my friend to the end and he wasn't kidding. Right. And it's been part of my life since I was a child. And it's the exact same thing for Andy. Um, right. So, right. you know, I, I think we kind of grew into very similar people. Yeah. I just don't, I don't have a whole shitload of guns. Right. Right. You don't, you don't have that. Okay. Uh, no, it, it's one of those things too, where like, it's, I, I think one of the reasons people put themselves into your shoes, I think when they're watching the films and the show and seeing the camera is like, I think because especially now that universe is so heightened and everything is dialed to an 11 in a way that like only a Don Mancini can really pull off. Um, you know, I think people can see you as kind of this anchor, like even when you're not in a scene, like even in the new, the new series, I haven't been able to watch last night's episode, but like your voice comes into play here and there. And like, it's just this cool thing in the background knowing like, okay, this is still the same world, even though it's way, way out there now. And there's so many different storylines all merging together. Like there's this person that we resonate with that we, many people grew up with, you know, and, and they put themselves and say like, okay, that's, going to be me or that's my person that reflects reality in this fantastical kind of world. And I think that's a, that's a really cool place to be. I'm thrilled to be that person for this. I mean, that this has meant so much my life. So to be able to continue to still meaning mean so much to the life of this franchise, um, that's, uh, that's more rewarding than anything else. I I mean, it's the, the fans that have shown appreciation to me, are appreciating uh, me being involved in this show. Um, and so maybe I, you know, I, I don't have to, uh, I don't have to be this big over the top character. I just have to be the damaged, tormented, vengeful, degenerate. that Andy Barker. <laughs> uh, I'm curious right before we go here into our kind of final section, I, I'm kind of curious because Fiona Dorif has really, I mean, for the last three projects has really been, front and center. Um, and it's one of the most fascinating things about the series going from Brad to, to her. Did yeah. you know her at all when you were doing the early movies? I know she wasn't involved, but did you meet her? I, I'm assuming kind of around the same period of life. Yes. Supposedly we met once. Well, neither of us remember. I mean, we were yeah. so young. Um, yeah. She's my age. I'm, I'm only like uh, six months older than her or something. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we met back then, but no, I didn't really know her. Um, nor did I really know Brad. Um, yeah, because he was just doing voice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. She's been a, such a fascinating person to watch and, and is killing it. I mean, she's, she's amazing. Absolutely, absolutely incredibly good. She's my favorite actress on the show. Chucky, he split his soul into pieces. Ade boku gembela. Give me all the power I beg of you! But what are those pieces is inside me? And I, but I'm still here too. She, I just love, I love her approach to it. I love that Don really threw a lot at her. 
And yes. Seriously. Um, and she's just doing it remarkably well, uh, as I knew she would. I knew it when I read it on the script, how great she'd be. And she's living up to it. And, that, and that's awesome. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and, and Jennifer and oh Christine. My God, yeah. also. <laughs> I mean, Jennifer and Christine are, I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly lucky that uh, I have very, very talented people around me. Right. Um, it's difficult to shine along with them. Um, <laughs> right. Well, especially but, Jennifer Tilly, who's yeah. as iconic as Chucky at this point. She was with- so great last night. She yeah. was, some of her lines were just, I absolutely loved every bit of it. So I can't wait to watch them again. I mean, even Christine, I mean, seeing that from Child's Play too, like that's such a cool reunion to see happen. And um, yeah. and, and, she, and she is my big sister in real life. Yeah. She's, she's one of my absolute best friends. I talk, I talk to her every day and I have, we have for the last decade. Um, so we are as close or, or closer than Andy, Andy and Kyle are. Hmm. So yeah. yeah, it was great to work with her. Great to work with her. Hopefully yeah. I get to do more. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, Some days, who knows? You never know. We could do something together. We've been thinking about, we're both writers, so we'll see. Maybe we'll do something fun. I think we might try to do a podcast kind of thing, actually, uh, recapping the season of Chucky and interviewing other cast members. We're going to try to do that. Well, you have one listener um, who would who'd be tuning in for sure. Um, I think that would be awesome. I love love listening to of you talk back and forth. Um, I, I know we're here at the end of our time here. I want to move us into kind of a quick rapid round um, and ask you a couple of quick questions. Uh, number one, uh, if you were given the green light to remake any film, uh, what would you choose and why? Hmm. Oh, man, that's a tough question, though, because I feel like I would want to pick one that uh, that I didn't think was done well. And that's why it should be remade. You know, mm. I, 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 yeah. it's, I'm, I'm not really always that keen on remaking. You're not going to take the Godfather and try to improve it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I wouldn't take anything good and try to improve it. Uh, I'd have to think of something shitty that I thought should have been better. Right. Um, so yeah, my, my, my answer to your question is really, I'm not, I'm not a big remake person. Gotcha. Gotcha. There's so few, few that I've, I don't know. It would, it would take me five minutes to even think of one that I think was great and should have happened. So. Gotcha. Um, who do you think's the most underrated filmmaker working today? Oh man. The most underrated filmmaker working today. You know, the, fortunately, the, the the filmmakers that I like seem to get the recognition that they deserve. Mm. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just stay loyal and say Don Mancini, honestly, yeah. especially after this TV show. Um, and I think yeah. people are really gonna see his bigger vision um, come. You know, I think they're seeing it come to life with this. I think it's pulling a lot of things together, and it's not over yet. I mean, this ride, these last two episodes. And, you know, we'll see what happens next with this. Um, The reaction has been so positive. Uh, We don't know if there will be a second season, Um, but uh, it's, it's looking good. I would assume. I mean, well, the viewership is crazy. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how many people are tuning into it. Cause I, I was sitting there going like, you know, 
is this going to be a niche thing that I love really passionately that ends up disappearing after this first season? And it seems like there's a pretty universal love for everyone that's checking it out. And I mean, yeah. sci-fi is definitely putting tons of money into promoting it. So, I mean, it, it seems like it's, it's seems like there's good science for a season two fingers crossed. I think so. I think so. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, he, he has gotten recognition over the years, but he's also, he, by his choices to stay very loyal to his vision, he lost a lot of people that weren't willing to come on such a wild ride mm. with him. And I think he knows that he takes those chances. Um, and that kind of integrity, I, I can't help but respect. Yeah. And not only, not only that, you know, seeing the big picture of all of this, uh, I mean, I went back and watched seed of Chucky, which I know gets a lot of shit from a lot of people. And I watched it recently and I was like, this is fucking brilliant. Like, yeah. like it's they're, just they're, something new. He, he just constantly yeah. is trying something new. And, and it's, what's crazy to me is just seeing him elevate his craft each and every project where like cult of Chucky is such a crazy swing. And I think it hits really well. Like that's one of my favorite in the series, but like now watching the new show, it's like, he's doing all these cool split diopter shots on a TV show with like this crazy De Palma esque cinematography through every yeah. single scene. And you, you see those influences of Carrie and that pour into the show and it just feels big. It just feels like a huge movie. Uh, he, but- is, he is so educated on film. I mean, yeah. he, he can rattle off information, you know, kind of like, Tarantino, how he can right. tell you what's on the back of a VHS cover from 1985. Like he's got, he's got that like um, incredible ability to absorb everything, right. uh, which, which I think is what's made his work so, so interesting. Yeah. What's a, what's a movie your diehard fans would be surprised that you enjoy? Hmm. Movie my diehard fans would be surprised that I enjoy. Uh, Shit, I'd have to think of something really silly. Um, the Notebook was great. I mean, I was <laughs> trying to think of like things that like catch a lot of shit from people. I think the um, Notebook's a solid, uh, a solid answer. I don't think that's the first thing that would have. No, that was, didn't come- it's a really good movie. Uh, what do you think's the best decade of film history? Best decade in film history? Oh. Um, Man, I I want to say the '80s because that's I grew up, you know. Right. I mean, those movies were fun and and kind of goofy and and yeah, the the effects were always pretty shitty, but it was just worth it anyway. And uh, they kind of didn't care, and they were. I don't know. I I I I would say the '80s movies because those movies were the ones that impacted me the most, you know, right. when I was young and and made me interested in cinema um but the 90s also uh it might it might be the 90s for me like i'm not i'm not a a film buff to go back to like oh you know i not that i think anyone should anyway i think the 90s i was a teenager at that time i think it was the best music decade of my life without question yeah um overall you know uh overall was the best music decade and the movies at the time were right in line with my sensibility also. So yeah. there were some great laughs in 90s movies. And I'm really more of a comedy guy than horror anyway. Uh, comedy and, and drama. 
Is, is there uh, a specific comedy from the 90s you'd recommend to people that maybe is underseen or, or something that you put on regularly? Um, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- th- there was a, uh, all of the old John Candy movies just cracked me up. I, yeah. I was a fan of those. The Vacation movies I was a big fan of. I guess some of those were in the 80s also. But going into that home alone. I mean, those movies that, that, uh, uh, the Sandlot was at the nineties, right? Like, yeah. um, I, I can name a ton that, uh, I, I think the nineties and maybe early two thousands too. Most, most of the comedies that I'm thinking of that I absolutely loved were probably early two thousands, like sure. super bad old school, yeah. uh, uh, which is crazy. I've officially fallen Super into- Troopers, Super Troopers, the original Broken Lizard movies. I was a massive fan of. Um, yeah, I like goofy comedies. You know, I, I feel like I take myself so seriously that when, when I'm watching stuff, I like it to be kind of silly and stupid and and check out like that. I mean, but, but really for me, uh, TV series right around the end of the nineties, Oz, Oz came on HBO and that really crazy started absorbing all of my attention with these TV series. Um, and the Sopranos followed up soon after it. And as an Italian from North Jersey, I was going to love the show anyway. Show about me. (laughs) Yeah. I watched the first episode, uh, when it aired live. I think for film, there, there was a lot of stuff in the nineties that I loved, but maybe the two thousands, 2000 to 2010, probably had the most compelling uh programming that i that i ever saw there was i mean oz six feet under 24 Mm. dexter um breaking bad then maybe that was that was actually this past this decade but yeah i that whole format of a dramatic series that I, I I Sopranos gets a lot of credit for, and because it's one of my favorite shows of all time, I'll let them have that credit. But Oz was actually doing it about a year earlier, yeah. And, and Oz, Oz remains probably you know one of my favorite shows of all time. Well, J.K. Uh, Simmons in that show is terrifying. He's such a creepy character. So in that show. Incredible actors that were in that show that went on to be become fantastic and other things, you know. Uh, started so many careers. Edie Falco is one of my favorite actresses of all time. She was in Oz to start. Yeah. Uh, Chris Maloney, Lee Turgeson. I mean, there was just like, there was so many great actors on that show. Right. Well, before I ask you the last question, I have to ask, what did you think of Saints of Newark being a huge Sopranos fan? So I watched it once and uh, I have to watch it again because there was a lot that I missed. It wasn't, it was kind of like things going on in my house. I wasn't as focused as I wanted to be, even though I intended on being really focused. I I spent a lot of the time kind of like trying to figure out the Sopranos lore and relationships and people were and how they, you know, and then that made, I made me like think about their connections to things. I wasn't totally focused on what I was seeing. Yeah, uh, it needs a. I need a second watch, honestly, to give it a full. I'm also curious how I would feel if I had never seen Sopranos and just saw right. the film. Yeah, um, the, the the way it was shot was beautiful. Some yeah, of the a gorgeous movie, yeah, great. Um, the storytelling was good, but but I found myself a little distracted trying to figure out who's who and right where we are and what's happening and like yeah. you know. 
Right. So I need like needs a second watch for a total thorough uh, review. Yeah. Any of the any of the mob mafia movies, if you look away for a second, you're like, whose cousin is that? And you've yeah, got yeah, you've got to yeah. re- rewind I mean, it, try to rewatch spend, it. And forty seconds in your mind thinking whose cousin that is, and then you've missed you know, three more cousins. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, last question: What's the best piece of advice you would give to someone who's an aspiring filmmaker who's listening to this? Stay true to yourself. Don't um, don't think that you have to follow any kind of guideline. Um, I, I mean, I say the same to musicians. You know, if if you know your instrument and you have a story you want to tell or you have something in your head, don't tell yourself that it's wrong just because you've never seen it done that way before. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I saw an interview clip with Scorsese just the other day and he said, um, make something new, like don't do what everybody else is doing. And I think that's such a, it's such a Scorsese thing to say, but you see that in his early career. Like that's why he stood out. It wasn't him doing the syrupy blockbuster movies that, you know, maybe other people were tempted to do. Like, I mean, really all the filmmakers of the seventies had that mentality and that's why it was so memorable is they were just upsetting the apple cart. And, and that's what I love about the Chucky franchise to bring it full circle. I mean, it's, it's consistently doing something new. It, it loses people in one movie because it goes so wild in one direction. It gains a whole new fan base in the next. And then over time, you, appreciation yeah. for everything, you know, they've never been more uni- united. Uh, we've never had more unity in the fan base than we are for this show. Like yeah. you have bride of Chucky uh, people and child's play two people watching a TV yeah. series together and loving it together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, well, I oh, yeah, it's great. It's, it's, it's just such such a uh, a blessing, and feels so good that everybody's enjoying it as much as we are. Yeah, it's it's huge. It's 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 really been awesome, and I'm loving seeing people enjoy it as well because it's nice to see uh, horror fans not blowing each other up on Twitter. So it's uh, nice to see yeah. a united front on this. We're all getting along for once. It's lovely. Yeah. Chucky did it. <laughs> so uh, yeah. thank you, thank you so sure much. I know we. I know we went a little bit over, but I, I really right. do appreciate you taking the time to to talk through this. Thank you so much for your career, for the for the work you've done, for the series. And I am, you know, knocking on wood, hoping uh, we get a season two because it's it's phenomenal storytelling. So. Oh, and now I'm getting <laughs> There's Don, season two. You heard it here first. No, just kidding. All right. Um, no, no, I would know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Film School Podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, don't forget to leave a five-star review and hit subscribe so you won't miss a single episode.